Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com. And use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit, EndoDecoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, EndoAligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, EndoDNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind, created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What is happening? We have a special Father's Day episode of Cannabis Legalization News with uh, the artist formerly known as Danny Danko. He now writes for the Northeast Leaf and has a great podcast called Grow Bud Yourself. Uh, we're going to be discussing uh, the New York market and uh, other things in the adult cannabis, adult use cannabis industry. So remember, 21 plus, uh, it's a prophylactic warning because YouTube hates our channel. What's happening, everybody? Hey. Whoops. Happy Sunday. Happy, Happy Sunday. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. And then, and on Danny, uh, uh, what is your your full name uh, for the audience? I mean, we have your formerly <laughs> stage name, but you know, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And could you please in introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the name is Dan Vinkovetsky, uh, formerly known as Danny Danko of High Times. Um, yeah, and I spent uh, a couple of decades uh, working for High Times Magazine as the senior cultivation editor. Uh, from 2002 to 2020 uh, and did a bunch of work there writing about cannabis cultivation, ended up writing uh, a book called The High Times, uh, the official High Times uh, Field Guide to Marijuana Strains in 2011, uh, founded the uh, High Times Seed Bank Hall of Fame in 2007, uh, wrote all the top 10 strains of the year from 2005 to 2018 and um Definitely judged more cannabis cups than anyone else on the planet. So <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, what is yeah. your faves then? So if you've judged all these cannabis wow. cups, I mean, you have to like because like with me, I'm always like, well, what am I doing? And then it depends on what my fave is. And so, like, how do you kind of classify? Like, what do you like? That's such a subjective question because mm. what do I like? You know, uh, during the daytime, what do I like uh, watching a sunset? What do I like right before oh, yeah. bed? It, they're all different. And uh, now that we're learning about all the ways that terpenes um, interact with cannabinoids such as THC, CBG, CBD, and all of it, uh, we're finding out that, you know, there's so much more to this plant than, than we know. And we're, we're really only scratching the surface. And so 
uh, we've we're using uh, you know state you know indica or or sativa yeah. or hybrid when when really everything's a poly hybrid these days and uh, as well that those are you know I wouldn't say those are misnomers but they're oversimplifications of a much more complex uh, process that's going on with all the different things and that's what makes different strains unique and people always ask me like you know especially years ago like how can you even tell the difference i mean <laughs> weed is weed you know and at now i mean there's so many like obvious differences yeah uh, mid-range and then more subtle uh differences and different people are affected differently by different strains so you know and and with edibles too it's like did you take it on an empty stomach did you you know are you 200 pounds are you 100 pounds there's so many many uh factors but as far as favorite strains i mean i love everything in the chem family um mm. uh, living in new york for all these years i love the sour the real new york sour oh, yeah. <laughs> um strawberry cough is is a favorite for me i grew it for many many years and i kind of love it for more reasons than just growing it i i love the effect uh, I love the uh, cerebral kind of energetic creativity that I get from it. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. I, 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 uh, I can't just pick one. I really can't. You can't because you do so many things in life, and so you you aren't just doing one thing all the time. Yeah, and it's interesting. Some of these contests are now being divided more into instead of indica sativa hybrid, more so like uh, flavor profiles, terpene profiles, mm. and that to me is more kind of like what they do with, with, uh, you know, the Westminster dog show, you know, it's like there's breeds, uh, and things that fall into certain kind of categories like terrier, uh, which can be very, very different from each other, but have certain commonalities as far as with cannabis, you would say flavor, um, effect and then best in show, you know? Mm. So, you know, you have your fruity, your chemi, your cushy, your, you know, uh, hazes and sativa dominant stuff and and you separate them out more more so by flavor and effect than um just you know broad leaf thin leaf short it's, flowering it's like long a wine flower. right like 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 you know with notes and and, and you know right. like terpenes and and, right. then, and then the flavor profiles i mean these are all right. things that you know cannabis is that people don't sure and you take a grapevine from France and move it to Argentina, it's going to it's going to acclimate and eventually become mm. different as well. Yeah. And it, if you if you can, if, if you if you, you know, kind of dedicate your life to it, you can detect the nuances and the subtleties and the differences. And and, uh, and now with lab testing, we can actually really get to some of the science as well. Well, yeah, that's it. That's the thing, right? You say that we're only learning this, but it's actually we've been doing this for years, but we've never had the science per se to like <laughs> right. back it up, right? Or the like freedom yeah. or Just the testing freedom. on ourselves, yeah. And yeah. then, yeah. and that, and that gives you anecdotal evidence, but real, yeah. you know, scientific evidence is is important, especially when it comes to uh, medicinal factors. I mean, oh, yeah. people joke yeah. all the time about munchies. Oh, the munchies pot gives you the munchies. Anytime you mention weed to someone who doesn't smoke weed. You know, immediately they bring up, you know, Doritos and this and that and the other. But the fact that marijuana can make you hungry and for people who are are, are suffering from nausea uh, and need an appetite stimulant, that's a lifesaver. I mean, yeah. it's a lifesaver. So it's the, the, the medicinal aspect, even when you, you're joking about the munchies. I mean, the munchies is mm. a that's a medical miracle. And yeah. if there was a pharmaceutical drug that made you hungry 
uh, even they when would you prescribe were, it, especially oh, yeah. the cancer patients. You know, they like, oh, you know. never really wasting, thought about that. that. Like, like a, as an appetite type thing. I never really thought yeah. about like the munchies being an actual medical, even though like I'm I'm always thinking like the, when people talk about the munchies, they're dismissive of cannabis, right? Like, yeah, like, it's, it's only, a joke. It's only pot. It's only right. pot. Jo- it's a joke. It's always yeah. like it's always uh, you know. Let's talk about uh, fast food or or mm-hmm. like you know. Gorging uh, yourself. Gorging yourself. But the truth and the crazy other side of that is that there's other cannabinoids that are appetite suppressants. Yeah. So like, here, here's uh, a very CV, ver- right? I've heard that right. reported THCV. as an appetite suppressant. And think of the you know medicinal benefits of something like that, all from the same plant, but different versions of that plant. And so there, we're we're only scratching the surface. There's so much more to learn. And I think uh, like Dr. Lester Grinspoon said, uh, one day people will look back at uh you know the study of medicinal cannabis in the same way that they do uh penicillin you know oh, sure. the dis- discovery of, of something like that 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 is a miracle drug but you know uh, the, 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 oh, go ahead, Tom. Well, because he's a journalist i wanted to ask danny what do you think about that because like you mentioned about how it's usually oh they talk about the munchies and i whenever because we do cannabis legalization news on on wednesdays you know please Hop over and tune in. We'll go over the news of the week. There's some pretty good stories that are coming up this week. But um, one of the things, and, and it's not in the stuff that we cover. We cover stuff from like Marijuana Biz Daily, or maybe we'll start covering stuff from The Leaf and then uh, from uh, Marijuana Moment. But if we have like a story from a regular journal, they stick out <laughs> like, you know, ABC or, right. or the Associated Press. Why and what is it with journalists that they think that every story about cannabis needs a pun as a headline <laughs> what is up with that i mean i think they they in their minds they probably think it's more clickable that way it's more of a of a of a bait thing to me it's kind of tired at this point it's kind of hacky but that's the mainstream media really i mean like they're you know they're gonna say uh, legalization lights up you know or you know yeah. there's always but also a, it's clickbait right like like right. it's all about like just sure. like when we do the podcast or youtube channel or whatever we're just trying to draw people in and like hey like and subscribe right. like yeah they really and like us and subscribe but it, you know it, what I'm saying? the crazy thing is people share those articles without even reading them you know they yeah. just share they share the the headline and and so that's the way those things go around and um i do think that you know the mainstream media has come around uh in the last decade or so you know i do yeah. think that even though they stick to some of that, those hacky uh, headlines and, and clickbaity things, they are realizing that we are a legitimate industry and a multi, multi-billion dollar industry, which there's only a few of in, mm-hmm. in the country, and that eventually they're going to need to accept us. And, and so I think they've, they've come around, but of course, you know, that's just the way it is. As a journalist, I get it too. I mean, I, you know, you, you, the the dry headline is not going viral but yeah. if you spice it up a little uh you know it might it might spread wider and it might it, within the body of the message you can actually spread uh good information so you know it, it's it's hacky but <laughs> hackiness we'll clickbait in some of our titles and like yeah. it'll work uh, you say, come on. You say something yeah yeah i mean i'm in publishing so you know you put something on the cover that says 
you know, three pounds in five minutes. Or <laughs> you're One to weird jump. trick. Yeah. <laughs> but you know the thing about like number six your... will amaze you. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, yes. Yeah. Or, or stay till the end. Or, yeah. <laughs> right. But you know, with, with, with cannabis and the wellness thing, what gets neglected a lot is the the endocannabinoid system, right? Like how this thing's entwined with our nervous system, our bone structure. Like there is a legit part of our body that is ignored most of the time. You know, like right. that's what's really more agitating about the the passive aggressive dismissiveness of the uh journalism mainstream wise you know there's like all use is well wellness and and good for you we're just figuring out what you're missing right like vitamin c deficiency it's a cannabinoid they have a cannabinoid deficiency and it affects their their humor because uh you know it's like i said it's hacky to use those you know, puns and, and and terms but uh but that's where they're coming from when they think of cannabis they think of the munchies because yeah. that's their you know that's their that, experience or that's yeah, that's their... all they have they don't have a, a real relationship with the plant they have some cursory knowledge and then it's it stinks that cursory knowledge has been um the norm in the the policy and the laws of this plant for almost 90 years uh, and i'm glad that it's kind of ending but then i see new rubrics coming up and from state to state and they're still just creating barriers that really don't need to be there especially if you understood the plant uh, and then also it's just such a, a profiteering and a grab for what they perceive to be a lot of wealth even though like they can go to Oklahoma and talk to or Michigan or, or, or Oregon or California where there's a glut of farmers and realize that sure, while in the aggregate, it may be a lot of wealth. It doesn't mean that everybody who gets a cannabis license is magically a millionaire. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and you see that in those places where there's a glut. I mean, Oregon, obviously Oklahoma, you're seeing 10, $20 ounces selling and, and, and then it becomes really hard on everyone and that means the big the big money people and the craft the small craft people uh you have to set yourself apart and really create a great product so um but you know things will eventually shake themselves out i do think uh we're an industry that's never had a glut right i mean there's always been droughts we don't know how to, we don't know how to react yeah i mean yeah. in the 80s there was droughts you know if you Damn. knew someone and you could get something you'd have to parse it out <laughs> you know yeah i can only sell that. you an ounce yeah. <laughs> i can't Shit. i got 20 more people coming and only a, you know, yeah a couple pounds or whatever. you're dipping it up oh my god yeah and you really good. had to like ration uh well, and even well, consumers good. had to ration and so oh, I, now, I remember rationing when yeah. I was in college 20 years ago. <laughs> now it's like, yeah, just throw it out. No, I know. I, I, I'm pulling down this more plants. Bit, yeah, yeah, it's a little dry. It's ready. Yeah. Can... But that, the, the ability to be able to cultivate your own supply has, uh, you know, and now I love how like LEDs have really taken over. And so it would have been substantially more difficult if I'm sitting there with like an HPS that's hanging. Because that's, that's like, you know, um, one of those easy time bake oven you know, that's just that they just cook with the, uh, the light bulb that's kind of like the difficulty that you have there it could it's hot you know and it could yeah. really it could be a fire damage if like your ballast falls or something and then uh, now with the leds and then with the change of the legislation uh, throughout uh, now miggy and i always talk about how they don't allow home grow in either illinois or in washington state but they kind of do like if you have your medical card you can grow 
right. what's the what's the lay of the land in New York State? Yeah, well, right now uh, they have passed uh, adult use laws, but there's no mechanism to purchase adult use cannabis, and there's no you know. So basically, people are filling the void. Uh, we have our Office of Cannabis Management. They have been working to uh, set the guidelines and, and license the places. But in the meantime, you know, all these unlicensed places places have opened up. We've always had our uh, you know. Uh, gray market delivery services and things like that and that continues to be a thing and then now there's even consumption lounges uh, unlicensed of course wow. but right. um, there are plenty popping up all over the city uh, and everyone's kind of you know jumping the gun a little bit but also at the same time trying to fill the void uh, yeah. for the consumer for the adult use customer because uh, right now you you know if you have a medical card you can go to the medical shop and purchase you know vape cartridges uh a little you know there's flour there's uh tinctures and there's uh tablets things like that but the the underground is obviously thriving because that's where you can get product from all over the country because this is new york and people are willing to pay so you've got cali stuff you've got stuff from all over um and and it's cheaper because it's not regulated it's not taxed it's so we're in this weird in-between period uh, where people are just figuring it out. Uh, but in the you know near future, they'll start with the licensing and the they've licensed growers, they've licensed hemp growers to grow flour for the rec market. They've, uh, which is interesting because I've <laughs> that's different. Um, they have a really robust uh, social equity program, and uh, consumption lounges are going to be allowed. So th- there's a lot of really. Uh, positive things about the new law but their their failure to roll it out quickly has has kind of like slowed you know like and not only that once you open it up because they've done the same thing in illinois where there are no new it's been legal for three years not one new operator is in business you know everybody who's been operating for the past three years had already gotten a license in medical rounds six years ago which is just, it's terrible rollout. And so then you have a lot of people that are trying to have their own parties and their own, uh, you know, uh, they're kind of like farmer's markets for, where weed shows up and mm. these parties, they have vendors uh, uh, because they can't get a license because they can't really open up for business. Or if they did get a license, there's only like 88, I mean, 12 million people, 88 cannabis licenses. What the heck is that? Uh, and so if New York has this, where they have this vibrant underground scene, and if the point of legalizing it was so that you could have a legitimate market, you should do kind of like what Michigan did and you don't have a reason not to get a license. Like the smallest license is a hundred plants, just go get it. There's no limit on them. Uh, and then you can try to get into the game and the game of course is extremely complex and you don't want to be in Michigan with only hundred plants, but uh, it, there's no excuse to not operate without a license. And so it'll be interesting to see if New York takes this open market approach or if they're going to do more like the OPEC style of Illinois or a Florida or an Arkansas or an Arizona, where it's like, no, five licenses, sure thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I hope not, because I, I love the the farmer's market idea. I love the idea of going and, and being able to choose, uh, you know, a half an ounce from here and a half an ounce yeah. from there and having it be local farmers uh, that are growing small batch organic craft cannabis. And I'm a flower guy too. I mean, I, 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 I think a lot of this mass produced cannabis is, 
is made for blasting it's or made for co2 yeah. cartridge you know it's made for for people who aren't connoisseurs aren't aficionados uh, or medical patients specifically seeking something exactly to their uh just you know desires and there but there's a lot of those people out there that that, that are fine with just you know shopping at an apple store dispensary picking up a few cartridges and and moving on and and that's fine too like i believe they have a right to exist but i think that the the farmers market local craft thing has oh, a right yeah, to yeah. exist too and that's like what we have here now it's like these seshes right they just mm. set up shop and but but you know they're 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 always under threat i mean there's no yeah there's no protection there if, if the police uh, you know or thieves <laughs> what is you the want to do something then that's yeah that, They'll do it. Yeah, right. actually, Luckily, our mayor recently came out and said he's not going to be heavy-handed about it. But at the same time, it's going to make it more difficult for you to get a license right. in the future if you're doing that now. Right, I because mean, it's a crime. It's illegal. And so like, that's one of the problems. And you do have that robbery risk. And you're you're, sure. you're going to end and up having a firearm. Because, but then like, if you get robbed, you get jacked. What are you going to do? Call the right. cops and be like, while I was committing a crime, somebody else stole from me. <laughs> it also excludes yeah. the people who are the best at what they do from the industry which is yeah you know counterproductive to to all of it so. that's why i like user. michigan it's like get a license that that's yep. pretty nice you know here in washington um we have a friend of the pod uh, josh Kincaid. He, he does a podcast talking heads and he just made a post on instagram about one of our 502 players they he bought this weed. It was so baggy. It was almost like mexican brick weed. It was so had so many seeds. And when he cracked it open, it was moldy. So, like, you know, people are going to buy shitty weed, but that's not, not for the patients. And if you right. allow a a market to thrive with a good comp- competition, then you won't get that shitty weed. See, we're going to have yeah. shitty weed because of the, right. the players are limited. But, yeah, when I talk about <laughs> shitty weed, I'm not talking about stuff with seeds and mold. I mean, that's not saleable. That's recall. Like, that's, well, yeah. That, that is stuff you should throw away. So, like. Yeah. <laughs> one's like R and D, and the other one right. should have failed a test, and you had like a mitigation and a recall policy, and you notify yeah. anybody who may have bought it. You know, right? It's like and, I'm just talking about mids versus yeah, kind. You know, like yeah. kind of that that thing. Well, but I'm of the philosophy. If, if it's that, that bad that there's yeah. seeds and mold, I mean, they they should be ashamed of themselves. That's well, not, that's what the farmers market. It's not a you, sellable product, right. right? It gives a consumer a better choice, and that's what like open capitalism right. or open competition like the you know tom saying about the the michigan market like if i was a resident it'd be fair play I'd, i would jump into the 100 plant game maybe but in new york like where you're at like how's what's the pulse what's the vibe on on, on the people in the in the traditional market right now because the, the canvas board out there has sent out those bad threat letters right saying yeah i mean that those went out to people who actually have like storefronts that are yeah, known right. to the known like well known, not hiding. Just they, like, yeah, hey, they're not hiding. They, no, they're they're putting saying, themselves on Google Maps and stuff. And like they're like buy <laughs> yeah. it here without a license. You know. Yeah, yeah, and they're basically, you know, I think they're gambling on the fact that they're going to make more money in the meantime, and maybe they'll be excluded in the future, or maybe they won't. But uh, you know, they've gotten those letters, and so yeah. they know they're on the radar. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, if which. They're- what you know what the reactions were from from them but yeah there's plenty still around and i you know the consumption lounges are around um the delivery services are around so uh, you know this is a 
a, a culture here in New York that consumes a lot of cannabis. Yes. Uh, you know, in the city and upstate. And I think, um, you know, people are going to fill the void. And the longer that void remains, the more they're going to fill it. And, you know, I just I also disagree with uh, what, you know, them excluding the people who are already good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. And, and I don't like that they disagree. Like, and so, like, in Illinois, like, we had Craig Cecil on the show. And, like, some, or then we also had uh, Chris Martin from Arizona on the show. And sometimes you can have be caught with, like, too much weed. And you get locked out of the industry. It's like, no, sorry. Even though you were a legacy operator, like holding down the, the fort back when it was really dangerous and, you know, for no, with actual, you know, uh, the, the ability to go to prison and you did, you were just caught with too much weed. That's not social equity. And I think that's just garbage. Like, I mean, unless you were selling it to kids. But uh, other than that, why, if you're actually participating in the industry versus if you're just a low level offender who has possession? We're going to give one of them and say, okay, you're social equity, but the other person that had to go away for prison for a while, we're going to lock you out of the industry. Right. I don't understand I mean, this that. was the first state that went uh, adult use legal was Colorado, and they had a rule that if you had any kind of cannabis felony, you couldn't be in the industry, which yeah. to me is, is, is you know, just Same cutting, cutting off the feet of the industry because who, who else is, knows what, how to do this? But how can you how can you exclude the people who were already doing it right and, and well? So it was that was an eye opener for me to to see, and that was you know I don't know 2010 or whatever it was, but that for them to you know that's really the issue in all the different states is over regulation, over taxation. It's people who don't have anything to do with cannabis making rules about cannabis. It's yep. it's it's nothing absurd. to do and no knowledge. And right. so, like, they don't have any of that, but it's... And they want to treat it like alcohol or they want to treat it like, uh, you know, some type of other narcotic or something or really just... And the over-regulation, it, it leads to a, a bad marketplace. I mean, and and how can those places compete with, with the underground in that well, case? When... And I think that the, the regulation aspect is a good segue into... Uh, one of the day jobs that you wear a hat for, and you're literally wearing a hat for it right now, uh, <laughs> the the Northeast Leaf and Leaf Nation. Uh, why don't you explain a little bit about what that is and its business model so that we can talk about the challenges that the regulations get in the way of that business model? Yeah. So uh, I partnered up with uh, Leaf Nation, which, who have been over for over a decade since 2010. They've been doing Northwest Leaf uh, in in Seattle. And they've been doing Oregon leaf and they've added Alaska leaf, California leaf, Maryland leaf, and now Northeast leaf, which is our region from Maine down to New York and New Jersey. And uh, basically we print uh, monthly magazines. The magazines are free. Um, they're given out at dispensaries and head shops uh, all throughout our region. And our advertisers are some of the uh, uh, legal cannabis businesses so it's a lot of them are in massachusetts and maine uh and there's a few there's some in connecticut some in rhode island um and now soon to be some in new jersey new york uh and basically throughout our region uh but it's weird because different states don't allow uh advertising for dispensaries or they're very strict about it and um 
So it's tough for people to even reach their customers and for them to find out what what kind of deals they have or what where they're located. And um, there's billboards that you see when you're driving around. Uh, and now Connecticut cracked down on billboards because they don't want people oh, crossing over into Massachusetts uh, and purchasing cannabis. And so there's all these very, very strict regulations and each state is different. So the main rules and the Massachusetts rules and the, they're all different. And um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting place to navigate, but we, you know, we've been doing this for two years now, um, Northeast Leaf, and I've learned a lot about the industry in our region and how it's changing and how it's been in the past. And um, it's, it's been exciting. And, and we, you know, we wanted our foot in the door before New York and New Jersey and Connecticut go fully legal and all these things happen because we want to educate people of what's going on. We want our readers to understand um, no matter what state they're in, in, in our region, what what's happening in their state and what's happening in the region and where to go uh, for quality products, uh, what the rules are, what you can have in your car, where you can store things, all of it. So uh, it's yeah. been exciting. Yeah, that's the weirdest one in, in New Jersey, like because uh, we were doing apps there and you have to make sure that you're compliant and have a complete app. And so, you know, when you're doing like a business plan, one of the things is you have to do your marketing. And so you should always check your advertising restrictions because there will be some whenever you're applying for one of these highly regulated states and make sure that you're compliant with it. You're not going to be promising to do this marketing strategy that's just completely illegal. Uh, and so like the one in New Jersey that was the weirdest was like you had to have uh, like a 90 percent certainty or like data that said that whatever advertisement you're going to put out. Uh, has a 71.46% or more 21 or older. And I'm like, what is with the two digits of point place? Like, where did this number even come from? You know? Yeah. Well, that's bureaucracy. You know, that, that's people, uh, politicians arguing over minutia. Uh, and that's why these things are taking so long to roll out is they're arguing over minutia. And really we should be treating cannabis a lot more like tomatoes than alcohol. Yes. You know, well, I think we should treat it, it more it, like it, it's uh, a, alcohol it's a, than tomatoes because it's going to be regulated because it makes you feel better than a tomato does. But also, there's only four companies that grow all the commercial tomatoes in the country, and I don't want that. And we right. Well, you know, I, I mean, there's heirloom tomatoes, and you know, but you have gardens, right? You and you can like grow your own. Yeah, you can grow <laughs> you your can, own. Absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I mean, the whole like treat it like alcohol thing. That's a complicated conversation, but I do think that um, that there's a lot of heavy-handedness from politicians and the people in these uh, management, you know, office of cannabis management or whatever it might be. They're not really listening to us, and we know how this works. We've been doing this for forty and fifty years, and some of us, you know. So, I mean, I'm only I'm turning fifty July fourth. Uh, and happy Father's, Father's Day. Day. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there as well. <laughs> I'm turning um, 42 today. Not, oh, Are you? thank yeah. you. <laughs> nice. Happy birthday. birthday. You That's awesome. Yep. And so it's going to uh, make it easy for my kids. They only have to remember <laughs> Father's Day. Oh, yeah. Done. Nice. Well, yeah, mine's July 4th, so it's the same thing. You just, same thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> they, they only have to remember the nation's birthday. <laughs> right. But, yeah, I mean, I think um, at the end of the day, if – Patients can get cannabis that's not heavily taxed. If adult users can 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 choose between local craft cannabis at the farmer's market or 
you know, MSO cannabis at the Apple store spot, whatever it is that, you know, we just, we want to have all the options available to us. So if, if you just want to run in and grab a vape pen and go watch your kids play soccer, all good. Mm -hmm. If you are like me and you want a specific terpene profile or you want to know something's going to burn clean and, and feel good and all of that, we have our options and, and, and none of them are, be, no, no one's getting thrown in jail. I mean, that's the most right. important part. It's yeah. like, I, that's yeah. the fear that I had to live with, you know, in the, in the nineties where, you know, just providing people with this product put you at risk of incarceration or worse, you know, right. and, uh, and separating people from their families and the mm-hmm. raids with the and dogs the getting shot and, in I mean, my that's... opinion, like that's where the social equity is. That's that because an equity is a right. And so like an equity, usually usually a right to a benefit as opposed to this, like it's an inversion. It's this social equity aspect where it's like, no, society came out and got into your house, your business made you check a box, gave you certain negative rights, like injuries, we would call them actually. And so, yeah, if you're eligible for an expungement, that's social equity. When you see it with these uh, locations where people live, that is a violation of the Dormant Commerce Clause. And it's just, there's a lot of money in this industry. And if there's a lawsuit that can get filed, a lawyer like me is going to file it because you're going to find a client that's like, oh, kick it in. Well, for just a low $25,000, retainer, we'll go to bat for you. And so um, that aspect, though, and I really like how New Jersey's defined their social equity where it's similar to Massachusetts. It is the uh, conviction anywhere in the United States. So like Miggy would qualify as social equity in New Jersey and Massachusetts. You know, I know it sounds like blasphemy, but do you think like for the rollout for you guys, for Illinois, if they just didn't even put social equity in the goddamn thing, it'd already be rolled out, right? Like, no, I mean, you don't think it's, or, it's just so, it's so rigged and crooked. It's the limited market. And so when you make a limited market based on merit, where you're going to have like, and all my apps were perfect. It's just that some people didn't have a veteran. And yeah. so like, you know, why in your infinite wisdom would you need to be a veteran to own a cannabis company? But and again, you're, you're, there was no transparency for your guys' uh, uh, point system. But Danny, what about New York? Is New York, they have the issued license yet? Or is there opportunity to still be involved? Or Yeah, I mean, they're they're rolling it out somewhat slowly. They've issued some licenses for hemp farmers to grow cannabis for uh, the adult use market, but they haven't really clarified who's getting the adult use market licenses. And so it's, Mm. it's, it's slow going. Um, But luckily, I mean, our politicians are for it, at least like the mayor and the governor. And uh, we have a legislature that's all about it as well uh, for the first time in, in many years. Um, So it's, it's happening, but it's happening at the pace of government, which is slow, which is slow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, uh yeah so that's kind of like the new york situation uh but there is a lot of social equity built into it where people uh from communities that were harmed directly by the war on drugs uh should be benefiting and i hope that it's not just uh, a case where it's like you know you just prop someone up as a uh it is well (laughs) no like the lawsuits are hitting now and it's just like 
This is why you should have used collateral base to document all of this shit because you would have had business records. Now I could go to court and I could maybe win this on summary judgment, but you haven't given me the facts in the record. So I, I'm gonna, we might have to go to trial. This contract that you think's a contract may fail. And what does that mean? Well, that means that now we're in equity. And so we're, we're, we're on like a quantum Merowit or an unjust enrichment claim and then maybe some fraud. But, you know, first we're gonna have to do some discovery. Well, why didn't you use like a tool that you, you didn't trust the people because they have to create these systems? And mm. the other problem is like, I understand the social equity with the person who was literally injured and incarcerated and arrested and their families. Like, you know, my uh, girlfriend's dad was in prison because of weed. He wasn't around. I could see that. But you know, when you just say it's these municipalities, you're going to need the federal government to allow that because that's discriminating against interstate commerce. Mm -hmm. And so there is a lot of case law that says you can bring an action pursuant to the dormant commerce clause and invalidate that stuff. And that looks like how social equity may die in Illinois because they set it up in such a way that to be eligible for social equity, you must be an Illinois resident. Oops. Right. I mean, I think the most interesting thing that no one really discusses is the fact that even in all of these states now, I think it's 19 states that have adult use law uh, or rec use or whatever you might want to call it. Uh, there's still a thriving underground oh, yeah. in, in, in cannabis. And so there's growers that are growing illegally. There's uh, distributors that are selling illegally. There's consumers that are purchasing from those people in order to not purchase from the legal entities uh whether it be because of the pricing or the taxes or, or the fear that i don't know their guns might get taken away i don't know but <laughs> whatever true. it is yeah. or maybe it's because the quality's higher yeah. i mean oh yeah for that's sure. the other part of it it's like it, it's a lot harder to grow good quality cannabis in a hundred thousand square foot warehouse than it is in an eight by eight foot tent you know uh it's particularly if you have great strains and you know what you're doing yeah. so uh it, it's interesting to note that you know even over a decade after it's been legal in places like colorado there is still a thriving underground industry there for cannabis and that goes to show that you know i, I mean i also it's hard I, I would imagine that it's harder to throw those people in jail uh, oh, but they they're, they're still at risk I mean, they're breaking the law. And at the end of the day, you even have some of these MSOs and entities that are are, are against that because, hey, well, look, it's not tested. Uh, you know, it's it's not regulated. Uh, it's a black market product. And so well, but I do think it's interesting that those things exist because a legal industry is supposed to is supposed to remove that. You, but the fact that it exists shows that there's flaws yeah. in that legal industry and and or or some kind of hoops that you have to jump through that people don't want to jump through or whatever it might be well what is going to be the taxes in new york like what is going to be do you know the, the level of taxation i i don't i mean there's a there's a website uh cannabis.ny.gov that has like kind of all of the uh you know rules and regulations listed and and you can actually what's interesting is you can submit public comment as well so people can mm. go on there and uh, submit comments, and even some people go up to Albany uh, and and submit comment in person uh, to the legislators. And there's some of them that really do understand what's going on uh, and want to want to make it right. But 
it's really hard when there's so much money involved. And, you know, New York is poised to be a $10 billion a year industry when it comes to cannabis. I mean, there's 20 million people in the state and, and we consume a lot of cannabis. Just the city alone at yeah. eight or nine million consumes a ton of cannabis. And uh, I don't know, it just, I, I do think the New York rules are among the best that I've seen but we'll see how they get actually rolled out. But yeah. I love, I love the consumption lounge thing. I love, uh, you know, uh, that they're preserving medical cannabis for people who are patients. Nice. Uh, adult use is a separate thing. Um, and, uh, and I hope that, you know, the social equity works out at least a little bit. Um, I just think, uh, you know, anytime the government takes over anything, they kind of mess it up, oh, yeah. but yep. <laughs> But but, like, but I don't long for the days of prohibition. I don't oh, look, no. I don't look back fondly on it. Be, partly because I I had that fear and and that and took those risks, and so I know uh, I know what we what we have gotten past. Yeah, which you know, which is these mandatory minimums and these ridiculous. Oh my goodness! I mean, just crazy stuff. So getting past that and and educating people about plant medicine too, because I think there's more to be learned from other other plants and and fungi oh, yeah. and and uh and i do think that there could be uh, a lot to be gained from the mainstream understanding that these plants speak to us and have benefits absolutely and if you believe that let's take a quick 420 somewhere bumper because that's those are the types of send-offs that we like to have Yes, Collateral Base, a wonderful law firm that has this system that we can use to make sure that you don't get got. Uh, it's it's nice, but you know the problem is uh, the contracts are there, but very often people fail to read them, sign them, or update them. With uh, you know, you should are you having corporate meetings in your team? Are you creating these business records because somebody may think that they own the whole thing and they just aren't telling you? That's the sexy portion of regulation, right there right there that's that's it's, the, that's, that's the hot that's, stuff that's that's, uh, that's business and so yeah. like well i tell people i tell people all the time if you're taking on partners be careful because right. th those partners can take your company and that's if all right. they're bringing to the table is money um and then, lawyers. then they're it's more likely that they are going to take it because you have the intellectual property and all they have is money and you yeah. can get money I mean, if it's hard to get money with the social equity aspect as well. And so that's been a very big challenge in, in our state. And I realized that the, the sell off in the uh, cannabis sector of 70 percent in the past year also hasn't really helped. But the uh, you know trying to like have the social equity partner with the investors has been fairly tricky uh, with, you know, a lot of fraud being seen and then a lot of. Uh, infighting and so like if they would have had the deal at least inked and signed or if it starts to go sideways and said somebody doesn't want to sign and then they're just kind of telling you yes you'd have some corporate records of that uh, and then again if somebody just walks away with the money uh, it's much easier to walk into court then and sue and sue successfully and to keep that price let down and bring them back to the table because one thing that none of them want 
is to lose their license, especially if it means that they're going to have to check a box in another state that says they've had to have been censured and lost their license. Hmm. Yeah. Danny, you live in a state or, well, rather a city. Are you in New York City itself or like mm-hmm. in the suburbs? Okay. Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn. So you're in a city where the mayor wants to uh, put a guard on top of a building. I mean, is it as like rampant out there smoking? Like I, I heard that he wanted to put a grill on top, but because it's a co- I, uh, government I, building, it couldn't or some shit. Yeah, I mean, they were talking about putting gardens on on rooftops of uh, housing projects. I think that's a pretty pie in the eye, uh, pie in the sky. <laughs> and and kind also, of like, thing. I think do that's, you understand this plant? That was also yeah, what I like kind of heard. Like, they were able to just, do it. I'm like, just yeah. Just out I, there? I think that was. Uh, a little bit of pandering on the on behalf of okay. the mayor. Uh, I I but I do think you know rooftop gardens are a great thing, and I think it's a you know it's not a bad way uh, to offset uh, a little bit of the carbon footprint that a building takes up, and maybe yeah. produce vegetables and and herbs and things like that. I don't know that cannabis on the roof of uh, a project buildings is going to be the solution in New York. I think uh, just based on like real estate costs and everything, most most things are going to probably be grown outside of the city in yeah, my okay. opinion just sure. because of rent and and the cost of electricity and all those other things and there's even towns being set up i think warwick new york is a town that's uh really embraced cannabis and 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 oh, wow. um they that's the one it's kind of famous because i think they went viral because they converted a jail into a grow okay uh, they're, they're in the process of doing that yeah. um and the mayor is uh very gung-ho about uh uh, incubating cannabis businesses in the town and oh, wow. uh and it's not far from the city i mean it's you know an hour outside of the t- uh, outside of the bronx mm. and uh i think i think that's interesting you know i think it's yeah. i think the places that are going to embrace it are going to do really well and as you see in jersey i'm sure tom there's uh, uh townships and cities that have opted out Mm-hmm. of having uh dispensaries and and all of that i mean i think about 70 percent of new jersey towns opted out uh and to me that's that's a bit strange i think they're going to really lose out in yeah. revenue they can opt in whenever they want but a lot of them are right like, We're well gonna you know wait and see what happens We're there's still dry counties from prohibition i mean there's like yeah. places in kentucky where you can't buy booze well so in jersey a, too <laughs> right exactly there's a few uh <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it's the play. It takes a long time, and like if you're looking at this in that long game kind of way, uh, I guess you can look at like the end of alcohol prohibition and how uh, how those things were adopted, and and then the kind of the birth of micro brews and things like that yeah. in the last you know 15, 20 years or so as being kind of like our craft market. Yeah. Uh, and I do think that's a, a, a legitimate market, but it's a shrinking market <laughs> from my from what I see over the last, uh, you know, 10 or 15. It's it, it's like I think a lot more, you know, obviously the edible revolution. I mean, there's like, you know, when when we were young, it was just pot brownies. Right? <laughs> yeah. right. Now there's, you know, every week. Yeah, you, yeah. you can put weed in anything. I mean, yeah. I've yeah. seen. We got we've got zero calorie sodas with, mm. with cannabis in them, which is pretty amazing. Right? Nano yeah, emulsion. We had those guys on. Remember that? We, we yeah. had those science guys on, Miggy. Yeah. Right. Pretty it's nice. just, there's so many different ways to consume uh, that we didn't really even think of, yeah. uh, and all these different categories of solventless and 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 hydrocarbons and uh, so you know I do think that 
craft flower market is shrinking, but uh, it's always going to, it's always going to be there. And, yeah. you know, my whole thing has always been home grow. I mean, even with high times and, uh, and now with, with uh, leaf magazines, Northeast leaf and my book uh, uh, that came out in 2018, which is cannabis, a beginner's guide to growing marijuana. Uh, my whole thing is, Hey, if you don't like what's available at the shops, grow your own and it's pennies to the dollar and it's fun. You know, yep, it's yeah. a nice, fun hobby and you don't, you know, you, you don't always succeed. You're going to have ups and downs, but, uh, yeah, but you don't ups- start off an all-star. <laughs> no, you learn a lot, but the ups are amazing. And, and you can also, you know, if you get really good at it, you can grow the same strain over and over and like mm. having a mother plant and take clones and, and all of that. So I, I push that idea on people. I love the a supply lot. too. Cause like, think about it from a medical uh, standpoint when you find the plant that really works for whatever ails you in a particular sense and then you can isolate that genetic and then control the supply of that genetic uh, as i think like going to a dispensary is in some ways like going to costco you're not sure if they're going to have that one thing that was there that you liked last time mm-hmm. and right. and that could really stink for the medical patient because then you're at the whims of their inventory control system or whatever's just been harvested as opposed to taking that matter into your own hands and having jars of it and then a clone or yeah you know maybe you maybe it said maybe you've gotten even further than that and you self-pollinated one of those girls and then you've made some seeds and so you have some stable genetics there that is um, so much of a safer access and a more reasonable access because like what's the what are the policy goals whenever whenever a state's always legalizing and it's just a huge land grab to take as much money and stuff in your pockets as you can um I always try to remind them, like, well, what was the policy goals of this? Was the policy goals to make sure that these people who were caught with a Goldilocks amount of weed or just happened to live in, like, one particular city, like, magically wins a lottery ticket? Was the was the point really to make it so that we're going to throw so many taxes on the back of these operators that the guy down the street is still going to be working? That to limit the number of licenses so that the guy down the street is still going to be working? Was the point to make something that was illegal legal and was the point to make sure that nobody is getting pushed and diverted into that illicit market which we all agree does not work and we don't want right right and and we just i mentioned that that market still exists so which is crazy and i think the the home grow aspect it's like hey even if you don't have a green thumb or whatever you know there's community gardens that you can join or be a part of, and I think this is also a way to support the, the the small farmer is purchase a harvest before it's even grown. You know, hmm. pay prepay for something that's that's coming down the pike, and you can actually help support these farmers, and then get a product from them that's fresh, local. You know what went into it. You know what didn't go into it. You know. I think that's cannabis. It's going to be like fresh roasted coffee. Most people, like once they get, you know, that they had brickweed. Everybody agrees with (laughs) that, right? And so now they get mids that are made in huge spreadsheet model uh, factory farms, and then they're going to get that good stuff that you and Miggy like to love and think about, like you know, (laughs) the the cannabis from the farmers market that's going to blow their mind. Just like somebody who's drinking gas station coffee and that's their understanding of coffee has a cup of Starbucks and they're like, Holy crap, what's this? And then they have a cup of fresh roasted coffee and they're like, 
this is better than that. What is this? And so yeah. I really am optimistic about craft cannabis because those terpenes, like you mentioned, um, uh, the dogs. And so those gassy ones, they are volatile. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to get the same flavor profile from something that's fresh and just like not, not fresh off the vine, of course, but like fresh cured. And so it's it's ready smoke it now get rid of this stuff it's it's only going to taste worse tomorrow i mean like it's on a degrade degradation phase even now, as good as you can keep it yeah. right uh, i think that's going to really um change the market well yeah. you know people talk about vegetables and and comparing cannabis to uh wine in that way but i think cigars is kind of a closer comparison in a weird way mm. i mean people will pay a dollar for a pack of five cigars. I mean, I guess most of them are probably breaking them up and putting weed in them, but some of the, you know, <laughs> if you go to the, 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 the uh, horse track or whatever, there's somebody smoking them. Yeah. And, but, but, but the highest quality cigars, I mean, go for 15, $20 or more and you put it in your humidor and you go to your cigar bar where you have your personal humidor mm. and you, you, you know, and so that the, there's a vast variety, you know, but one doesn't get you more, buzz than the other it's yeah. just it's about connoisseurship and being kind of an aficionado of something and that exists within everything i mean i think yeah. food well, wine yeah. you know the farmer's everything. market model would help promote like competition and and and, and also the strain variety right because you know in, in a 502 market that i have here in washington state there's a limited variety and there's a season sale like oh you know one day the market happened, right? Legalization happens in your state, and the the the, the seed store brought in X amount of seeds, but there's no other new variety. Whereas you know these open markets back in the day, uh, you know more small people had more experiments and did things on a smaller scale, and then gave the end consumer of a chance to have variety and options. Uh, you know, one of the things that you got to look for in New York, I think, is what is your guys's like medical market, right? Like here in Washington, we had that. I don't know if you you, you visit that during the high times day. You've been here oh, and yeah. seen our, our open markets, our, mm -hmm. our, our, our our dab bars and lounges. And, you know, when 502 came about, the problem with like laws and rules, the people who you know, especially with legalization, you have to give a fuck to, to help like petition and do all the things. 502 people, people in the business in the 502 market, look at the medical market was like, they're, they're tax free. You know, they're, they're bad guys. They're, they're, there's all these stories out here and, and we're losing so much money. You know, we, so they did a law SB 5052, which really cut the nuts of the medical market out here. Right. It limited the person who can make a prescription limited the store providers it limited just many facets that weren't there before and there was no need for it but because the people who have the businesses the mso's and we're in the 502 market they had a goal and their goal was to kill medical and we still have a small fraction of medical but like how can we prevent these bullshit laws because again people who don't understand the plant are making the damn rules <laughs> right well the way they do it out here is is they're, they're side by side so there's a medical side and, and a rec side and the medical side has a few more products that you can get things like hmm. rso and things like that and uh, the prices are cheaper because of the no tax but it's the same shop selling yeah, okay. you medical and rec so 
it's the same store and it's in many cases it's the same product but you get it cheaper if you have your medical license and i think that's maybe where washington went wrong is they yeah. viewed it they viewed it as competition and i think you know these msos or the any dispensary should not even view home grow as competition i mean sell clones yeah sell people the strains and then sell the clones of that strain so they can go home and grow them themselves believe me they'll be back and they'll be buying it from you it's not going to it's right. not going to put you out of and business. License the operators. Yeah, sell them you know? grow, sell them grow tents. Uh, you know, send people to their house once a week to check it out and make sure everything's growing properly. I mean, that to me, and have is, like a you know, good experience. So like, they, so you have your your home office right. with a consumption lounge and the dispensary all built in, right? So that you can build those communities and those brands. We talked know? about we talked about Cam earlier, and and, and there's a dispensary that he grows for called Canna Provisions in Massachusetts. Mm. Small batch chem grown by chem, his strains. Right. And it's incredible. And people tell me, oh, you can't buy good weed from a dispensary. I tell them, go go to this place and buy yeah. it. And just last weekend, they had uh, a clone sale, basically, where they sold the wow. clones to anybody, you know, they had 500 or 1,000 clones and it was first come, first serve. And I think that's brilliant, you know, mm -hmm. like support yeah. the growers and keep, you know, that it's not, there's there's plenty of business out there for everybody and the home grow is not going to shut down any dispensary especially one that has incredible strains that sell yeah. out as, as soon as they drop them you know and um as as you guys this brings us back to the beginning when you asked me about uh you know favorite strains it's all about the variety and if i can go from one booth to another booth at a <laughs> farmer's market and and pick out this and that and, you know then i have my daytime smoke i've got my nighttime smoke I got, yeah. I got can experiment with this new thing i've never heard of i mean that's the beauty of this plant there's there's strains we've never tasted or heard of no one on earth has because you've got to cross this and that to get that it's a new thing that's never existed and that can be discovered by anyone i mean if you, know, you set yeah. up the regulations right you're not allowed to do that in our right. state Right. Like, well, that's. And I don't think you can do that in Washington State. You can. can Washington a has no home no, no. grow. No uh, home grow. The, the laws. Can you Like I, no. a grower can't sell clothes. Only the patient market. Right. Yeah. So like. So, so like. It, yeah. You know, it is difficult to to achieve, but you know, I'm looking long term and hoping yeah. that you know my son and and his kids. Uh, they're already going to live in a world where hopefully they they won't be going to jail for pot. Yeah, but I, you know, I want them to also live in a world where they can treat their anxiety or their depression with a particular strain grown cleanly by someone nearby who did it right and organic and and yeah. I, you know, and so it's it, we're it's baby steps, but <laughs> I think of when I got in this industry in the '90s and and the fear and and the um, the lack of information. The fact that High Times at the time was probably one of the few sources for any information. Yep. And certainly the internet has plenty of bad information, but if you <laughs> if you look for it, you'll find the good stuff. Yeah. And you'll find if you care like we do, if you're a true believer, you'll you'll you know, you'll uncover the the truth. And it's it's all out there. And I think um, podcasts like this one, podcasts like mine and many others are also a want, just a wonderful way for people to learn more about this miraculous healing flower. I'm sick of 
people yeah. calling it a drug or a narcotic. Yeah, I mean, it fits into the categories of that. Uh, but in the same way that there's a, a lot of other things that are mind-altering substances from, from Earth that mm. can help us. And if we use them properly and uh, with the right mindset, you know, we can actually change the world and make it a better place. Hell yeah. Right on. Well, totally you know, agree. with that, let's let's kind of wrap it up then, and, <laughs> and let's talk about where uh, people can get in touch with uh, with you, and of course, it is the artist formerly known as Danny Anko, <laughs> um, which is just amazing that uh, High Times is, recognizes what it its property is as opposed to what somebody else's property <laughs> is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Allegedly. I'm on Instagram at Danny Danko HT. Uh, my book is available on uh, Amazon. If you want to get it directly from me, uh, signed, personalized, uh, you can reach out to me. Uh, you can I, I, I sell it on eBay. Uh, if you join our Patreon page, it's patreoncom Danko. Uh, you can uh, join for an just four twenty four dollars and twenty cents a month up to something like forty dollars a month uh but you get the book you get nutrients you get all kinds of stuff um the podcast is grow bud yourself just look it up it's free uh we're coming up on our 100th episode uh i'm really proud of it i used to do a podcast uh since 2011 uh called free weed from danny danko <laughs> uh and uh that was a lot of fun we did that from 2011 to 2018 but uh the new one that I've been doing for the last two years is Grow Bud Yourself. And the new magazine is called Northeast Leaf. It's not new. I mean, it's two years that I've been working on this. Oops. And uh, let's see. It's a free magazine for anyone in the Northeast region. Uh, you can subscribe to it, too, if you want to pay for it. But it's free online and in print. And uh, they can find it at their local dispensary. Yeah. yeah, in the Northeast, we distribute to all the different dispensaries here uh, from Maine down to New York and New Jersey. Um, so, you know, including Massachusetts and Connecticut and Rhode Island. And uh, we're in eight states, basically. Um, a little bit in New Hampshire, but it's tough. Vermont. And uh, yeah, so that's been my uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure uh, to be working with my partners at uh, at Leaf Magazines. Uh, so you can read it online for free too at leafmagazines.com. Um, it's so yeah, I guess that's pretty much everything. Twitter, Facebook, mm -hmm. you know, all that Leaf. stuff. Leaf cool. Magazine pulls really good writers besides you. There's Robert, uh, from uh, Massachusetts, uh, old school activist as well. Uh, yeah. We've got a, a lot yeah. of my buddies from high times. I mean, Bobby black, uh, writes for us for the national okay. content and he's the editor of California leaf. And, uh, I've got some of my friends, out here in the Northeast that were with high times for many years. Uh, Mike Jerhoniak, wow. who's from champs trade shows and he does our ad sales um, and works with our advertisers. And yeah, uh, Mike G who was a former editor. He's my co-host of my podcast as well. And my producer, he yep. uh, also writes the news and a bunch of other stuff in Northeast leaf. So, <clears throat> you know, when things, uh, didn't work out with high times we launched this new thing and I, i'm really proud because i'm from boston i live in new york now for 30 years but uh the northeast is my region and it's changing so quickly when it comes to cannabis and I, it's just it's like a homecoming for me so I, i'm happy and uh enjoying that a lot 
the Leaf Nation is also still a very good grassroots org, right? Like it's what totally local, independent, yeah. totally independent. We have no, I mean, we have our advertisers, but we review and talk about the industry. We we've got the pros and the cons of everything, and we really want to educate the consumer, uh, the person who's going to walk into a dispensary or a consumption lounge. Uh, anyone who wants to get into the industry, we we really we are very much an inclusive, independent media source for cannabis, and I'm so proud of that because um, it's it's different from uh, from pretty much anything I've done in the past, and and uh, nice. yeah, and and it's it's so exciting because things are changing so quickly here. Yeah. I mean, New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and all you know Massachusetts. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Massachusetts is is yeah that's a that's you know, that's incredible that just you you drive through Massachusetts and there's billboards for cannabis everywhere. I mean, Damn. everywhere and dispensaries everywhere, and that's the way it should be, you yeah. know. And uh, home that. grow, and you know the last thing I will say is we got there's still forty thousand people in jail for cannabis, and it's a it's a, a shame on all of us and on our, uh, uh, our society and our our culture our community and the cannabis industry we have to have to free those people yesterday they need to be out of jail they need to be with their families and they need uh to 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 be free yep. and yes. the fact that there's non-violent cannabis offenders in prison and i'm talking like around 40,000 is what mpp uh, estimates it's 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 the it's the biggest issue facing all of us right now and we have to change it we have to get those people out post haste oh yeah absolutely agreed thank you so much man i really appreciate it and it's happy uh father's day yeah, remember those fathers that are locked away from their kids uh, and change the laws so it's coming up an election scene bother somebody especially if they're running for office vote democrat how, jesus christ well i don't know about that like you know vote democrat yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all i can say right vote now yeah. this is just crazy uh representative mace has done some great stuff but anyway oh, yeah. we'll have it's more on it thanks so much and everybody who tuned in and like you know was a member uh awesome hope you have great weekends we'll see you soon thanks. Oops, oops, oops.